0: Take your Bibles this morning and go to Romans chapter 12 with me, if you would. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be reading the first two verses, verses 1 and 2. These two verses were verses that I found real early in my Christian life. I don't remember if it was because I was reading and found them, or I'm pretty sure it was a message that I heard that uh, draw, drew my attention to Romans 12, one and two. Um, it's, it's good to, to get the concept behind those two verses uh, early in your Christian life, but can I tell you something? We need to be reminded of those two verses over and over and over again. And they have to do with us serving God and being dedicated to him. Uh, Let's all stand together, if you would. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Will of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask God that you might have your will and have your way in this service. We ask, Lord, that you would meet with us in a special way this morning. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. God, uh, with, with, without your power and w- without your filling and without your guidance and direction, uh, this, this message will be in vain. It'll just be a bunch of words going into ears. But God, we want more than that. We want the Spirit of God to do a work. We want the power of God behind it. We want hearts to be uh, open and ready and willing for the Word of God. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. And uh, God, I, I need you. I need you desperately. Without you, I cannot preach this message the way that it needs to be preached. And uh, Father, I just pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and uh, give me the, uh, the, the, the words, the understanding, the, uh, the, the thoughts that will help uh, in this message and convey what's upon your heart, not mine. Uh, Father, we love you. We're so glad you're our God this morning. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. And as you do so, We pray that we would say yes to you for it's in jesus name that we pray and all god's people said amen Amen. you may be seated according to these two verses there's two requirements for finding and doing the will of god in our life and and honestly if if you're here if you're saved if you have uh, trusted christ as savior and you love the lord and you want to do right uh, you don't want to be outside of the will of god you want to be right smack dab in the middle of god's will doing what he would have you to do but in order to do that there's first a couple of quick requirements we're going to look at and the, the first one is is verse uh, verse one talking about presenting your body a living sacrifice i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, this is not an unreasonable thing. This is a reasonable thing for God to ask of someone who has trusted Christ as Savior because God has been so merciful to us. We should be willing to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, what's a sacrifice? Well, a sacrifice is, is something that has no will of its own. And the person receiving the sacrifice can do whatever uh, he wills with that sacrifice. When, uh, when we talked about this in, in uh, adult Sunday school this morning, uh, Isaac was offered by, uh, by his father Abraham as a sacrifice because God commanded him to do so. One of the things you don't see is you don't see any struggling, you don't find any wiggling, you don't find any resistance uh that is a perfect picture of a sacrifice a sacrifice says here here i am you do with me as you will and what that is is that's just a simply a surrendered spirit coming to god and saying look not my will but thine be done and then the the second thing is found in verse 2 where it says and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god he says i don't want you to be conformed to this world i want you to be different i want you to be transformed and this has to do with being separated it starts in the mind it doesn't start in habits it does not start in dress it doesn't start in uh, in things that we do but it has to do with our mind and how we think and those two things are absolutely essential uh, a surrendered heart and a separated life that uh, in order for us to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I've, I've talked with folks, you know, over the, over the years about this subject of finding God's will for their life. And, uh, and, and honestly, uh, n- no outside person can go to another individual and say, I know exactly what God's will is for your life. No, no, you really don't. Uh, and 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 sometimes the per, sometimes the person who's looking for God's will is not even real sure uh, what it is that God would have them to do as far as a as far as a, a specific thing a specific area of their life. But there's there are things that are found in the Word of God, and what I'm going to preach to you on this morning is what God's will is for your life. And I realize I just said I, no one can tell you that. No, not as far as the specific details go, but as far as the general will of God for your life, I can tell you exactly what God's will is for your life because I know it's God's will for my life. It's God's will for all of us who have trusted Christ as their Savior. And there is a, there is a general will of God that we need to fall into and follow. Don't expect God to give you specific details on other things. Don't expect God to give you special wisdom for decisions that you have to make. Uh, if, if you do not obey God's general will for your life, that's something that's, that's important, and God has revealed that to us in his word. So we're going to take a look. At some of the things that the Bible just makes very plain and very clear that is the revealed will of God for all of us to follow. First one. Go to Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, and we're gonna look down at verse nine. Second Peter chapter three. In verse 9, and I love this verse because it tells me so much about my God and where His heart is. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so what, what God's saying here is that He's not willing that any should perish. He's willing that every person... Uh, will trust Him as Savior. And obviously, if, if that's the case, then we ought to have a desire to see other people saved, and therefore we ought to be a witness for Him. The thing I, the thing I appreciate here is, is the fact that God says that, uh, that He's not willing that any should perish. In other words, the price has been paid. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave His utmost... For you and for me and and uh, uh, shed his blood so that our sins could be totally forgiven the payment has been made now all we need to do is simply accept that payment And the moment you accept that payment trust him and him alone as savior you become saved and god's heart is that every individual on the face of the earth Trust him as savior. He did not die just for a select group of people on this earth. He died for everyone. He died not only for those that accept him, but he died for those that will eventually or already have uh, rejected him, which is really when you think about it, such a sad thing. There is absolutely no reason for any individual on the face of this earth or that has ever been born to ever die and go to hell there's no reason for it because christ has paid the price and all we need to do is realize that we are sinners and that we are heading for hell and that we do need help and that we can't do a thing of it on our own we have to just simply cry out to him for mercy trust what he has done his finished work with his death his burial and his resurrection and, and ask Him to be our Savior and believe and trust on Him to do so. The moment we do that, um, you know, we, we, will, we will have our sins forgiven. We plug into that payment, so to speak, and we, we receive eternal life. Uh, and, and the other thing that is kind of implied in this verse is that if He desires for everybody to be saved, once a person is saved he's got a plan for your life now there's two things that it says about about god it says number one is that he's he's not willing that any should perish he he doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell and secondly it says he's long suffering that means he's, he's willing to work with us and work with us and work with us until we get to that point when we trust Christ as Savior. I've had the privilege of watching children get saved over my lifetime. I've had the privilege of watching teenagers get saved. I was a teenager when I got saved. I've, I've watched uh, uh, people uh, in their uh, young years of life get saved. I've watched people in their middle age get saved. I've watched older people get saved. Uh, one time I had the, the privilege of leading a lady to Christ it was in a nursing home and I won't go into the story but uh, she she was literally right, right for the picking and it was just her and me in the in one of the lobbies and we got to talking and she bowed her head and she trusted Christ as her Savior I came back to that nursing home for a nursing home ministry about two or three weeks later and uh, I asked where she was and they said well you haven't heard I said, heard what well, she, she passed away. Praise the Lord, man, she's in heaven, you know. And uh, now that's getting it by the, by the skin of your teeth. But, uh, but, but praise the Lord that she got saved. Well, uh, God is long-suffering working with us, and, uh, but he's not willing that any should perish. Uh, so that means that if God is long-suffering and God is not willing that any should perish, then, as, as far as we're concerned, as, as saved people, we ought to have that same desire. If you want to plug into God's will, then understand that He is not willing, He doesn't, it's not His will that anybody die and go to hell. That's the whole reason why He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to be the the payment and uh, be the pay the price for our sin. And uh, uh, so he's not, he's not willing, we should not be willing that any should perish and that means that we should be willing to put forth any effort uh, that, that we need to in order to see people saved and we should be long suffering with people. Uh, sometimes I think honestly we give up too, too easily and we get, give up too early. But uh, it's God's will that people get saved and it's God's will that that uh, they be worked with, and so it's our responsibility to not only be a witness, uh, but to work with people, and be patient, and be long-suffering with them. That's the will of God. Uh, If you're saved, God's called you to be a witness. I remember talking to a guy one time in a bookstore, this was years ago, and uh, uh, I had just given out a tract, and I was... Witnessing to somebody and, uh, and he saw that and uh, we got to talk and he says boy he says it's just so wonderful it's so wonderful that god has given you the gift of evangelism i don't have that gift so i don't tell anybody about about the lord i just i just do other things And i said well i'm sorry to tell you this but you're not right with god if you don't tell people and he didn't particularly care care for that response but it was true uh, it's not just a select group of people. Now, yeah, pe- there's maybe some people who uh, s- uh, seem to be a little bit more gifted in that area. That's fine. But the truth of the matter is we all have that responsibility. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish. We're his representatives. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So we, we need to be uh, not only, first of all, be saved. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, it's not God's will for you to be lost. It's not God's will for you to die and go to hell. It's God's will for you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and get your sins forgiven. And then once, once a person gets saved, it's God's will for us to be a witness. And so the first thing that we, we need to see is that it's, it is definitely God's will for us to be a witness for Him. Second thing, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Go to Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verse 17 says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay, well, he's about to tell us what the will of God is. And this is for all of us that are saved. Verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is, 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 is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the the fear of God." The second thing that is the will of God for every person who's saved is to be filled with the Spirit. All that simply means is to be controlled by the Spirit. Now, go over to Colossians chapter 3 and look in verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father, by him. Notice that the, 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 those two things are related, being filled with the Spirit and letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. Being filled with the Word, being filled with the Spirit. Filled just simply means to be controlled by. If you're, if you're filled with joy, that means the, the joy is overflowing in your heart and it's, it's controlling your reactions and your actions. Uh, that's, what, that's what the filling of the Spirit is. It's just simply allowing the Spirit and the Word of God to work together and to, uh, to control and dictate the things of, of our lives. The, the will of God is being obedient to God's Word and being obedient to the Spirit of God. And, and, the, and the question is just simply this. Do those two things control you? You know, are you controlled by the Spirit, and are you controlled by the Word? Uh, when we follow our own desires, when we follow our own emotions, when we, when we, we f- uh, follow our fleshly desires, uh, that's not the Spirit of God. And uh, we, we need to be consciously following God's Spirit on a day-to-day basis. And according to both of those passages, there's things that it will affect. It'll, it'll affect your music. It'll cause you to sing and sing the right stuff. It'll affect your gratitude. You'll have a thankful spirit. It'll affect uh, your attitude toward others. You'll have a submissive spirit rather than a, a contentious spirit or a, or a prideful spirit. Uh, it'll it'll affect husband-wife relationships. It'll affect parent-child relationships. It'll affect work relationships. All of those things are affected by the filling of the Holy Spirit. And again, it's just simply plugging into what is it that the Spirit of God wants me to do and being obedient to Him. Um, we need to, to find and do God's Word and 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 do god's will and in order to do that we need to think god's thoughts uh, when we're following the spirit of god when we're following his promptings when we're following what the word of god obviously says for us to do on a day-by-day basis uh, we're 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 changing the way that we think uh, it's not it's not our thoughts it's not our ways it's god's thoughts and god's ways and here's something the Holy Spirit will never do. He will never, ever, ever lead you contrary to this book. Never. I remember talking to someone one day about something that they had done. And what they had done, I could, I, I mean, I could show it to you and you'd agree with me, uh, they clearly violated Scripture. I mean, clearly, Violated scripture, and uh, I was chatting with them about it, and uh, and I said, well, you know, that's not something you should have done. And that person looked at me and said, well, I disagree because I prayed about it, and that's exactly what God told me to do. Now listen, I'm sorry, but that person is lying through their teeth, or they're just totally, totally deluded. Because the Spirit of God never, ever, ever will violate this book to lead you in a particular direction. He never will. And so that's why it's so important for us to, to, uh, to, be, to be locked into the Spirit's control. And you know, so many times, I, I don't know if you, you think this, I do, sometimes you know being in ministry i think well you know before you pray you need to ask god to guide you and or before you uh, while i pray before i preach and i did that this morning because i was conscious of that thing uh, and yes it's important you know when you're teaching sunday school when you're going out soul winning when when uh, when when uh, when you're doing any work for the lord but can i tell you something you need to pray for god to fill you when you're doing the dishes you need to pray for God to fill you while you're doing the laundry. You need to pray for God to fill you as you're going to work. See, what God needs is He needs people that are controlled by Him out in that world. And we, we don't need the filling of God just in certain times of our lives. We need, we need to be led and controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis and 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 that is always the will of god for our lives go with me to first thessalonians chapter four here's another thing that's the will of god and i can say confidently this is the will of god for you first thessalonians chapter four And look down in verses uh, 3 through 6. First Thessalonians 4, verses, verses 3 through 6. It says, For this is the will of God, that's pretty plain, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. What he's talking about here is, is living a holy life, living a sanctified life. Uh, that's just not for, for folks that are in full-time service. That's just not folks in positions in the church. That's for all of us as saved people to live a holy and sanctified life. And there's three characteristics, according to these verses, of a, of a sanctified life. First of all, in verse 3, it says, Abstain fleshly, from fleshly lust. Uh, abstain from any kind of immorality. Uh, we're living in a day and age when the world says anything goes. When the world says that uh, it's all permissible, it's all okay, and if you say it isn't, you're judging. No, the Bible says that those, those things that are immoral are wrong. They're sinful. And we ought not to have a, 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 a bit to do with it. Now listen, it's rampant. It's out there. It's available. Probably easier than I've ever seen stuff be available in my life. They have they have websites now where you can uh, you can uh, you know get together with other you know, married people can get together with other married people and, and commit adultery. Uh, folks can get together and, online and and uh, commit fornication. That stuff's wicked. We ought to have nothing to do with that. We ought to be constantly protecting our minds and constantly protecting our hearts. Uh, the Bible says, flee youthful lust. Paul was writing, Timothy was a young man. He knew that he was susceptible. But can I tell you something? It's not just the young people that are susceptible. We're all susceptible. And we, we need to protect ourselves against those things. Then, then the second thing is, Possess your body in sanctification and in honor. Look down in verses 4 and 5. It says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. God wants you to have a clean body. He doesn't want you filling it with drugs. He doesn't want you filling it with booze. He doesn't want you uh, taking it to places that are are not... uh, uh, scriptural and holy places to go. Uh, God wants a, a clean vessel. And he wants in in having a clean body always starts with having a clean mind. Uh, stop, stop any fleshly input that you have to your mind. If 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 something causes you to go down the wrong road, then stop that thing and and don't allow it to be input into your, into your mind. And then saturate your mind with the things of God. That's why it's so important as Christians for us to get in the book. Why? Because our thinking's all messed up. And it, I mean, it is. You know, God says your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. That's true of all of us. And we have to constantly get our thinking straightened out. We have been, we have been saturated with a whole lot more humanism and wrong thinking than what you realize Um, and, and it's it's all around us it's everywhere And we need to make sure that we're spending time in the book, read the Bible, meditate on the Bible, spend time studying the Bible, spend time memorizing the Word of God. One of the reasons why we're going through and having these verses at the beginning of uh, every every month, and we do it for the whole month, the beginning of of the service, is to just kind of saturate your mind with with those things. And uh, some of you may memorize it, some of you may not memorize it, but Think on those things because thinking on those things straightens out your thoughts and having thoughts straightened out is is what we need in order to present ourselves as a as a holy sacrifice to God. And then the last thing is just simply to deal honestly with others. Look down at verse 6, the same chapter, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we... Uh, also have forewarned you and testified. Um, you know, you, uh, Christians, uh, we need to care for others. We need to, as Christians, we need to, to uh, uh, be honest with others. <laughs> and, and again, this has just become acceptable out in the world. But dishonesty is rampant. Someone will say, you know, uh, there's there's nothing wrong with this car. Uh, I'm going to sell it to you, and I've got full confidence. And they know there's 15 things that are wrong with the car. They're lying through their teeth. They don't even blink an eyelash at that. That should never be the case with us. Our yay ought to be yay, and our nay ought to be nay. And uh, we need to deal honestly with one another. And therefore. Uh, have a sanctified and have a holy life. Another thing that, that uh, the Bible says is very clear about, about, uh, uh, about being the will of God for our life. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Boy, one of the things I'm glad God got a hold of me on was this concept early in my Christian life. And uh, again, uh, I have not arrived, but I'm still learning things about it. But it is such an important concept. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing, ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men." It, what he's talking about there is just simply obeying your, your human authorities. We all have them. We all have human authorities. And uh, whatever authority or authorities that God has put you under, you ought to have an obedient oh, spirit toward those, those authorities. It is always the will of God to have a spirit of obedience. It is never the will of God to have a contentious spirit. I don't care how right you think you are. There's times when we think, you know, well, I am right, so therefore I can be this way. You, you can voice your opinion, but you don't have to do it contentiously. You don't have to do it with pride in your heart, knowing that you're right and the other person's wrong. Uh, There's something about about that that spirit that that has a lot to do with our response to authority. Um, There are authorities in government. Some of them I agree with, some of them I disagree with. Can I tell you something? When When they come down with a ruling, I should submit to it. Uh, I don't like some of the things that are going on in our country. I don't like a lot of the things that are going on. And if something would violate my my Christian beliefs and I'm told to do it, I won't do it. But I won't do it like this. Uh, That's not the attitude that Daniel had when it says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He didn't go up there and say, now you listen to me, you old buzzard understand that uh, you put you put some stuff down there that my God says I'm not supposed to eat, and I'm not eating any pickled pig's feet. I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, uh, you know, and that wasn't his attitude. You read Daniel chapter 1. He was very humble. Now, did he take a stand? Yes, he did. Look at the three Hebrew children. They said, we won't bend, we won't bow. What they didn't they didn't go like this. We won't bend and we won't. They just said no, we're not doing it. It's just, it violates our God's rules and we're going to stand for God. I understand there are times when you say look, I just can't do that thing because of what God says. Now make sure it's because of what God says and not because of your public or your personal opinion. There are things that I don't necessarily agree with, but I would not necessarily be violating God's laws by doing it. All right, then, then buck up and do it. But whether it's the government, whether it's employers, you know, uh, again, uh, I don't care what kind of a jerk you work for. Uh, you know, you might have somebody as your boss that is, is just very, very unreasonable. It is never, ever, Never right for you to be contentious with that boss. That's not the will of God. The will of God is for you to have a sweet spirit, even though he or she is treating you like dirt. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that flippantly. But uh, we need to have a submissive attitude toward authorities. Um, parents and children... Uh, children need to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the first commandment with, pr- with promise. I realize parents make mistakes. I, I also realize there's some parents that are out there that have that just really have not treated their children right. But if you're a child and you're under the authority of your parents, you are never, ever in the will of God if you're disrespectful to them. You're never, ever in the will of God if you're, if you're uh, rebellious and disobedient to him. You never are. You never are. The um, Bible talks about wives and husbands. You know, and this is a forbidden subject today. But I don't care if it's forbidden or not. It's not forbidden by God. God says that wives will be, su- be subject to their own husbands. It means you can't have two heads in the home. You've only got one, and you say, well, well, my husband's not the head of my home. Yes, he is. He just might not be acting like it, but God says that he is. And it's never right to rebel against authority. God doesn't lead rebels. So you say, well, I'm looking for the will of God in, uh, in this particular area of my life, and and uh you know i i really i I really want to know what god would have me to do and where god would have me to lead let me ask you something how are you doing with the authorities that god's put over you or do you have an attitude if you have an attitude god's not going to lead a rebel Uh, and in reality nobody leads a rebel because nobody can You know, rebels got their own will and got their own way. How easy is it for those that are in authority over you to tell you what to do? To give you, it ought to be a piece of cake. I don't care who you work for. I don't care who you're under. I don't care who you're married to. I don't care who's your mom and your dad. Uh, I don't care where you live. It ought to be easy for those in authority to tell you what to do. The next thing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is the will of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, look down in verse verse 18. This is one of those verses that... uh, it's been turned into a song and it's easy to sing and it's easy to memorize, it takes a lifetime to live it. It says in verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Just be thankful in all things. That means in every situation, in every circumstance, and in uh, every relationship, and everything that God puts you right smack dab in the middle of, uh, we're to be thankful. It's, it's not natural, okay, to be thankful in and for all things. It's, it's not natural, but it's supernatural. So that means you need God's help. That means you need God's assistance. That means you need, you need God's strength to do so. If, if we're thankful in all things, then we're going to be able to see God in all things. I'm convinced the reason why we don't see God in all things is because we're not thankful in all things. And and, uh, God can lead a grateful person, but not a critical person, not an unthankful person. Uh, You look at at Israel in the wilderness. That, That first generation that came out of Egypt, God's plan and God's desire and God's will for those people was to go into the promised land and take that land. That wasn't first and foremost his will for the second generation. That was for the first generation. But you know what? One of the things that I I see every time I read those wilderness accounts is that there's ingratitude and there's constant complaining. And what did that cost them? That cost them the promised land. Those folks never, never went into it, never saw it. They never saw it. And, and why? Well, because they weren't grateful. They weren't grateful. Even, you know, you look at it, Moses, Moses didn't believe God and he, he struck the rock rather than speak to the rock the second time. And so he lost the opportunity to go into the promised land as well. But was he acting like someone who was grateful for the position that God had given to him? No, he says. He says. He says. Must I fetch you water out of this rocky rubble? Boom! He got angry. You know, every time. Listen, I have never been angry while I'm praising God. (laughs) I, you know, I've 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 never I've never. had a, a complaining spirit, and praised the Lord at the same time. Now, those words may have come out of my mouth, but they certainly weren't coming out of my heart, okay? Uh, those two things do not coexist. So if you want to be smack dab in the middle of God's will, you need to be thankful. 1 Peter chapter 4, and these next two we're not to spend as much time on, but they need to be mentioned, 1 Peter chapter 4. And look at four, verses 14 down through the end of the chapter. It says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but in your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody, Notice where he puts busybody, in with murderers, thieves, and evildoers, uh, in other men's matters. Yet, yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the same has come, for the time has come, that, that uh, judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Uh, Suffer for well-doing. That's the will of God. You know, uh, if you do right, there's gonna be times when you're gonna suffer for doing right, do it properly. Uh, don't suffer for, for uh, doing evil. Uh, suffer for doing right. You know, Doc Ruckman used to say, uh, you can't do right and get away with it, you can't do wrong and get away with it. A lot of truth to that. Either way you might suffer, but if you're gonna suffer, you know what? If I'm gonna suffer, I want God's grace in abundance. If I'm gonna suffer, I want His mercy there. Uh, I, won't, I won't have access to those two things if I'm suffering for evil, but if I'm suffering for good because I did something that's right and I've got a good conscience before God, I think that goes those hand in hand with this idea of suffering for for doing right um, and, and, and suffering rightfully. Again, not with an attitude. And when we do those things, that's the will of God for us. Um, you know, be willing to take it on the chin for doing that which is right and do it with the right attitude. And then the very last thing, go to Matthew chapter 22. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was put, putting this together that I could, have, I could have put this, maybe should have put this as the first one, because really it's what everything else hangs on. But... I also want you to think about this one and and leave this one with you at the end because I think it is so important. Matthew chapter 22, look in verse 36, let's see. Yeah, verse 36, Uh, man came up to Jesus and said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets Uh, it's always god's will for you to number one love god and in this order number one love god and then number two love others and and to love the lord with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind in all your strength. God's always got to be the first love. Uh, church at Ephesus is commended in Revelation uh, chapter two for a lot of the stands that it took. But after he gets done complimenting that church, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They were doing right, but their heart was starting to drift and something else had replaced the number one position when it comes to to love for God. Uh, We're to love God the most and then love others like you love you. In other words, if you don't like people to do something to you, then don't do that same something to them. If you don't like other folks to have an attitude in a particular way toward you, don't have a particular attitude in that way, Toward them, those things are are the will of God. Uh, these these seven things, every one of them, is the will of God for you and is the will of God for me. Be saved; it's the will of God. And be a witness; tell other people how to get saved. Be controlled by God's word and God's spirit. So necessary, so necessary. And it, listen, uh, I've made. Some of the biggest mistakes, committed some of the biggest sins, made some of the worst decisions. And every time I have, it's been me that, that was controlling me, not God that was controlling me. And that's, that's so important. Third thing is to, to live a holy life. Just be sanctified, be separated, be different. Obey your authorities. Whoever God has put you under. Yes, there may be times when, because of Scripture, make sure it's Scripture, uh, you, you have to say, I can't do that. But, but never with a contentious spirit. Be, be thankful. Be grateful for what God has given to you. See God in all things. And then have a good conscience. And, and be willing to suffer for, for doing right. And then last of all, love God. And love others. Um, if we if we have this, if we have these seven things, these these are seven things that God says is the will of God for all of us. You say, yeah, but I need to know about I need to know about this decision. I need to know about that decision. I need to know what God would have me to do here. What God would have me to do there. My question to you is: Are you doing those seven things? Well, five out of seven, isn't too bad. No, are you doing those things that God says specifically are the will of God? Then if you're not, why in the world should God give you extra guidance and extra direction for other things when you're not doing the obvious? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us be honest before you about all these things these things that we looked at in your word this morning every single one of them are the absolute infallible will of god for the life of every person that's here that's saved now lord there may be someone here this morning or under the sound of my voice on the internet that's not saved may they understand that you are not willing that they should perish but that all should come to repentance. You paid the price for them. You died on the cross for them. My prayer is, is today they'd get a hold of this concept. You know, there's folks that got this idea that, well, as long as I do this and as long as I do that, and I may not agree totally that Jesus is the only way to go to heaven and that I really have to have a partner thing, and, and it, but as, as long as I do other things, no, no. No, it's, it's him or nothing. It's you or nothing. We have to totally, completely trust you as our Savior. And I pray that, that uh, anyone, anyone on the sound of my voice this morning who's not saved would understand that and realize that they're heading for hell and disobeying the will of God by not trusting you as Savior. And Lord, for those that are saved, Help us to look at those things and and realize that it is imperative that we're right smack dab in the middle of, of your will by doing each and every one of those. Those are the obvious ones. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, and if there's anything that's out of whack in our lives this morning, particularly if someone's not saved, may today be the day of their salvation. Please, God, speak to hearts, have your way, and have your will in our hearts this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand together.